second, and we explained how it works that the lowest, the lowest things that exist in this world, the most physical, those that conceal God the most, are that are those which contain the ultimate highest level of godliness within them. And the idea was that they fell from the highest place. The higher something is sourced, the lower down it falls. The more, I always think of like of like diamonds in the earth, but. Um, but really, if you think about, if you just think about Earth and you think about you dropping things from different, from different heights, right? If you drop it from here, it'll just like sink a little bit. But if you go on an airplane and you take something and you drop it and there's mud, it's going to go whoosh, all the way, all the way down, right? Into the lowest places. So the higher something starts off in its source, the lower down it falls into this world. And so when we are confronted with challenges, physicality, situations where we don't see God, that's the ultimate access to God. That's the highest um, levels of God that any creature, any creation can ever reach. Um, however, it comes with it comes with the side effect called challenge, right? We have to confront that. We have to dig very deep to find the godliness within it. It's not just laid out there in front of us like the souls and the tzaddikim who are enjoying from the rays of the shechina. There it's just all, all laid out. It's all in front of them. Uh, it's all revelation. By us, the concealment is where we actually find where we find God. And we explained that this is back to the teva, that the teva is bo'ela teva. Teva means two things. It means an ark, Noah's ark, right, the boat. And teva also means letters. And it's referring to the letters of prayer and of Torah study. That when we are confronted by the Mayim Rabbim, the many waters, the challenges, we can find refuge in, it, in our personal teva, which are the letters of prayer and Torah study. And that when we do find refuge in the Teva, that in, we find God there in a place that we couldn't have if the Teva was not on the water, right? If the Teva was just on the ground, which is how it started off, right? Um, it's a much, much lower level than where the Teva reached after the many waters made it rise up and up and up and up. So our prayer and our Torah study, the spiritual aspect of our life, our personal relationship with God reaches the ultimate height specifically when it comes on the back of a challenge, specifically when it comes from us living in the real world, confronting the day-to-day challenge of life, and from that place, putting aside time to cultivate a meaningful, meaningful personal relationship with Hashem in prayer and in Torah study. So that's what we finished off with. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. And the altar is going to finish off here with two ideas. First of all, that this is um, the mistake that people can make. People can think that their prayer is worth less than the prayer of somebody who is dealing with spirituality all day, right? You can think, oh, that person, he's learning Torah the whole day. So his davening must be like the ultimate level. He must be really, when he is cultivating his personal relationship with Hashem, he's able to do it on a, from, you know, from a much more a much a place of much more integrity because that's what he's dealing with this whole day and the alternative said no that's a mistake to think that to think that because the majority of your day is not dealt in godly matters that when you do turn to god and when you do enter into that personal relationship that it's less because that's not what you're dealing with the whole day the alternative says no it's more because when you're able to go out into the world and despite the fact that you're confronted by challenges and distractions the whole day you find the time to make a meaningful relationship with Hashem, that is the ultimate relationship, right? That is the ultimate way that you can have integrity in your relationship. And that's the, where you find the most meaning. So we'll see that idea 
we'll see that idea inside and then we'll finish off with the idea of the lower versus higher levels of Shabbat that the Alter Rebbe said we're going to come back to. We said it says Noach, Noach twice. Um, these are the descendants of Noach. Noach was a tzaddik. And so Noach represents peace. The fact that it says it twice means that it represents a lower level of peace, of rest, and a higher level of peace and rest. So we're going to discuss what the difference between, between those two things are. So we're on page 23, all the way at the bottom, the last, um, the last paragraph, which starts with a vezehu. This is a mistake. So you guys have it? Okay, let me grab some water. This is the mistake that working people make. Working people versus people, I guess, who are in kolo the entire day, right? Or whose entire, um, what we call Torah emunasa, that Torah is his livelihood. So we're talking about people who have to go out into the real world in order to make a living. And they make a mistake by thinking, it's in their opinion, they think, that they're not really able to pray like those who, what's called, the, those who sit in the tents, those who sit in the tents of Torah, those who are immersed in godly matters the entire day. Ki Adaraba, on the contrary, it's the exact opposite. That they are able to pray even more. When we say even more, we don't necessarily mean longer, but we mean with a greater depth. That their personal relationship with Hashem, which is what prayer is all about, has more depth. Because the advantage of light is appreciated when it comes specifically from the darkness. So, so too, someone involved in the darkness of this world has a much greater advantage in the spiritual light of his prayers, much more so than someone who is constantly in the spiritual light of Torah study. And this is why the waters of Noah, the flood, are called waters of rest. Peaceful restful spirit, which is represented by the idea of Shabbat. As we know, uh, it actually says in the Zohar that just as we're commanded to rest on Shabbos, we're commanded to work during the six days of the week before. So we're commanded to go to work as much as we're commanded to rest. And we discussed that this idea of Shabbos, Shabbos is only Shabbos because it is preceded by six days of work. Rest is only rest because there was challenge and work that preceded it. So as we see, as it says in Bereshit, when it speaks about the seventh day of creation, that on that day he rested from all of his work. So as mentioned above, the word Shabbat is translated as Venach, which means rest, and is the same letters as Noah, Noah and connected to the phrase a relaxed and satisfied spirit. Now we'll explain what happened on Shabbat. Shabbavav yamei hamaseh, that in the six days of creation, hubechinat hispashtut lahamshachat malchutoyos barachat. It's the idea of Hashem's malchus being drawn down. So what do we mean that Hashem worked, right? Obviously Hashem wasn't you know, taking an axe and a hammer and working the way we actually, we, we think of work. So what do we mean that when we say Hashem was working? He was involved in the process of drawing down his light through what's called malchut, it's the aspect of God that's connected with the world and involved with bringing the world into being. And that's what he was doing in the six days of creation. He was drawing down this energy, this light. As it says, what happened on the first day? And God said that there should be light. God created the world we know through speech. And Malchut, the lowest sphere, is associated with speech. 
and um, as it says, uh, on the first day, Hashem said, let there be light, and then there was light. Yehira Kia, let there be a firmament, and there was a firmament. The upper and lower water separated. Tadasheha Aretz Desha, the earth should sprout forth vegetation, and we know that then the earth sprouted forth vegetation. Shinekraim Yumehamaase, these are called the days of action, days of creation. So we know that obviously God wasn't working the way that we know work. But God was actively bringing the world into being through speech. And that is called days of action. That's the work that we are referring to when we speak about creation. What happened on Shabbat? Well, Shabbat, page 25 at the top. But on Shabbat, on the seventh day, it's the idea that God stopped to work. He rested from work, and a peaceful spirit descended. Which is the concept that all of the worlds get a spiritual elevation on Shabbat. Like a person who seizes from rest um, on, when he finishes working. So he rests after work specifically. So we know that. Yeah, and we're going to discuss that. That Olam Haba is like the ultimate Shabbat. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a downside to Shabbat. It's a taste, but it's just a taste. So yeah. what's the difference then between Shabbat and Olam Haba? That's what we're going to get into next. Okay. Um, but really the main point here is the idea that true rest comes when it's preceded by work. So when we rest and it's preceded by work, all of the energy that we invested into the work then gets invested into the rest. And we all can think for ourselves and, and know the difference between waking up, I don't know, let's say we don't have Sundays here in Israel, on Friday, right? And you have the whole day off and you've just worked really, really hard from Sunday till Thursday, right? And then you wake up and it's Friday versus we were all in lockdown, right? Where every single day was Friday or Sunday for however long that was. It wasn't rest, Right? I don't think most people look back at lockdown and think, oh, that was like so restful. There was a real restlessness actually from that time. And the reason is because we didn't wake up after a week of work. We didn't have rest that was preceded by work. So the idea is that on Shabbat, the effort, the energy that was invested throughout the week, we see that with Hashem and with ourselves. All of the energy that Hashem invested into making the world rose up into this level called Shabbat. And it explains that the worlds actually get an aliyah. They ascend on Shabbat to the world of Bria. It's explained to a higher level than it exists um, throughout the week. And it only ascends to that level because of the work that was done throughout the week. So too with us, when we rest after work, the energy that was invested in work kind of now translates into the energy that goes into resting, right? And um, so that's, what, well, that's the idea of rest. That's what we speak about when we speak about Menoch, we speak about the waters of Noach, the restful spirit was only able to enter the world because it was preceded by a marble, by a flood that worked to purify the entire world. So it says, so too, <coughs> excuse me, 25 on the second paragraph, so too, it's the same thing with somebody who is involved in worrying about making a livelihood, and he's involved in physical matters. Which are called the many waters. When we overturn these challenges, and afterwards we ascend into a godly state, through prayer, as we mentioned above. 
Nikra Bechina Zu, this level that we reach is called Bechinat Naicha Derucha, a peaceful, restful spirit. Shul Bechinat Shabbat, it's the level of Shabbat as we discussed, Kanal above, Kiyadua as is known, Shekol Tfila, every prayer, Mivav Yameh from the six days of creation, from the six days of work, of the work week, it's a, a ray, it's a shine from Shabbos. So every time where we actually take time throughout our busy work week to pray, we're getting a taste of Shabbos within our work week. We're getting that rest within the challenge. And it's a really, really, really interesting <laughs> idea. There's, I guess there's two ways that people, well, there's many ways that people can deal with challenges. The automatic response that we usually have to challenges is that we need to run away from it, right? Um, we need to escape it because there's no way to actually deal with it without our life becoming chaotic. And the Mimer is proposing, on, well, I guess, so there's two things. Either life just becomes chaos and you get swept away by the challenge, which is what the, the flood did to most of the world. To those who were not in the Teva, they drowned, right? Um, they, they got overwhelmed by the water. So that's one thing, that the challenge completely overwhelms us. We lose our, not only our connection with Hashem, but we lose our sense of self completely. The other is to run away from the challenge and not accept it and say, I can't live in this world that's so distracting from God. I'm going to run away from my responsibilities, obligations, and just focus on the things I want to focus on, which we know is usually backfi- backfires and is not, um, is not a solution at all because challenges will always come. So those are the two ways we usually deal with challenge. And the Mimer is proposing a third way, which is that within the challenge, to find the peace within the challenge. And that comes by accepting the fact that life is challenging. And this is exactly the way that life is supposed to be. Right? We said the story with the Alter Rebbe, that his two friends, Rabbi Zusha and Rabbi Yitzchak, were saying, if I were God, I would be like this. If I were God, I would be like this. I would, I would do things this way or that way so that everything would be perfect. And the Alter Rebbe said, if I were God, I would do exactly what God is doing. Life would look exactly the way that it looks right now because that's exactly what it's supposed to look like. So it's the idea that there's this idea of Shabbos that comes after rest. That's the idea of prayer, which is finding the peace within the challenge in our day-to-day lives. Finding that teva, finding our own personal sanctuary. And that doesn't mean to run away from our challenge. Actually, the challenge raises up that, right? Raises up the teva, raises up those moments of spirituality within the distracting world that we live in. But the altar is going to say that this is only the lower level of rest. Because we know that this level that we're speaking about in the Mimer is cyclical. So what happens is that we're confronted by challenges. <coughs> Sorry. We're confronted by challenges. And then what do we do? We find the rest of the peace within the challenge. We take the time to pray, take the time to find, uh, you know, to cultivate that personal relationship with God from the challenge. We have the, our personal Shabbat. We actually have Shabbat after seven days of rest. And then what happens is that we're confronted by another challenge, usually an even stronger challenge, because once you overcome one challenge, it doesn't affect you anymore. It's got to be something even stronger, because otherwise it's not a challenge. So then we get hit by something else. And then we find the peace within that. And then, until we get hit by something else, right? It's a cycle. It's a cycle of dealing with the physical world, being immersed in it, finding time and space to cultivate our relationship with God, and then going right back into the world and then finding that space again. And we see that there's six days of the week and then there's Shabbat, and then there's six days of the week again. So the Alter Rebbe says that this is the lower level of Shabbat. The lower level of Shabbat is Shabbat as it is temporary. 
as it ends on Motzei Shabbat, as we know, right? And there's, a, my husband calls it his Motzei Shabbos mood, right? People get into this, like, it's like this landing, you know, you have the spiritual high on Shabbat, and then it's like Motzei Shabbat, and it's dark, and it's not Shabbat anymore, and, and we land, we go right back into the work week, right? That we do have Dala, so we have, you know, the ceremony of separating between Kodesh and Chol, but at the end of the day, we're landing right back into the work week, and this is how our lives look. Until we get to a place called Shabbat Ila'ah. The higher level of Shabbat is, as you mentioned, the idea of Olam Haba. The idea of that when Mashiach comes, it's going to be Yom Shekulo Shabbat. A day that is all Shabbat. That there will come a time where we will no longer need challenges to legitimize our relationship with Hashem. Or to meet Hashem Himself. We will be able to have Hashem by having Him. Not by wanting Him. Right? We discussed that there's there's two levels of relating to Hashem. There's the level of the tzaddik, which is called ava batanugim. Ava batanugim means a love of having, of pleasure. The tzaddik has God, and so he wants more of God, based on what he has. Then we have ava, all the other ahava. Ahava means is translated by in Chassidus as a want, as a yearning, and that's the want and the yearning of the bal and that's the relationship we have with Hashem by wanting Hashem, not necessarily by having Him and the motivation that that causes. And when we get, when, by the time Olam Haba comes, though, we will have Hashem. We will, we will have a relationship with Hashem, not one of wanting Hashem, but one of actually, of actually having Him. So as we'll see inside on page 26 at the top, everything that we've discussed until now, the rest that the Mabel brought is called the lower level of Shabbos. The Yesh Od but there's another level. Shabbat Ila'a. This is the higher level of Shabbos. Shehumashi Yelat Atid. This is what we will have in the future. Shenikra Yom Shekula Shabbat, which is Mashiach, the era of Mashiach, that's called a day that is entirely Shabbat. The Zewa, and this is going back to the quote <coughs> that we started off the Mimer with, that I have sworn, this is Hashem speaking through Yeshaya, I made, a, I made a promise about the waters of Noach, that they will never return again to the earth. So we know that the waters of Noach are referring to the challenges, and Hashem promised us that there will come a time where we will never have challenges again. Well, He will never where the world will not need to be purified in the way that it was in order to get to this place of rest. Kihine, because since, even though they came to purify, so we could say, wait, but the marble was good, right? As this is what the whole point of the Mimer is. The marble was a good thing. So why would God swear that he's never going to bring a marble again? Why would God promise us that there's going to come a point where we will never have challenge again? And the answer is because we're going to get to a place where we no longer need that challenge to legitimize our relationship with God because we will truly be one with Him. And that's the idea. So, not always are we going to need such a level of purification. And, you know, that's the whole idea of galut, of exile, that we're going through this purification process so that eventually we will no longer need the purification process. So it's interesting. On the one hand... We're saying, accept the fact that there's challenges. It's the way life is supposed to be. And on the other hand, we're saying, but we're working toward a place where we will no longer need challenge. So we're not saying, okay, we're happy with the fact that this world is challenged and that we don't see God. We want to see God in this world. 
Um, but the only way to actually get to that place is through the challenge. So as it says, Kenishbati, the continuation of the Pasuk in Yeshaya, so too. So just as I swore regarding the waters of Noah that I will not return them to the world, I will never wipe away the, the world with a flood, Ken, so too, Nishbati, I have sworn, Mikzof Alaich, that eventually I will not become angry with you, Umigarbach, and I will no longer rebuke you again. There will come a point where I will no longer challenge you. Well, I will no longer be. Uh, disappointed in you, I guess we can say, and I'll no longer need to rebuke you because we will get to this place where we're totally one with Hashem. So since once they had the purification process of exile and dealing with the material concerns called many waters for thousands of years, they will have completed that purification process and will not need any further purification through the many waters of material concerns. We're on page 27 at the top. Because as we explained, as was explained above, that specifically through the many waters that we mentioned above, we have an advantage of the light that comes from the challenge, that it's a love that's called we said there's the three levels, there's and the different levels of love for Hashem. We said is the infinite love of Hashem that we can only reach specifically through challenge. But we'll get to a point where we reach this level of love for Hashem that's a love of actually having, not just a love of wanting, but we actually have Hashem and we no longer need to chase after Him and desire Him and only be able to reach Him through challenge because we will truly be one with Him and have Him. So in Kozen, nonetheless, yesh od So even though we said that challenges help us reach the highest level of love, there's actually an even higher level of love that goes beyond actually needing challenge to reach it. And this is called Bechinat Avaraba. This is called a great love, which comes from above. So it's a love that we cannot achieve on our own, even through challenge. It's an even higher level of love than Bechom Modecha. The only way we can get this love is by God giving this love to us. And eventually, this is what we're going to be able to reach. It's a very, very, very high level of love. It's the highest connection we can have with Hashem. It's even higher than the level of love that comes through challenge. So there's a unity that we can achieve with Hashem and a connection with Him that supersedes the necessity for challenge. But we cannot reach that level on our own. We can only be given that level as a gift. That's called Avarabha. And... How do we reach that level? Through first reaching the level of through the challenge, but we will get to a point where we no longer need the challenge to be one with God because God's going to reciprocate after you know all the thousands of years we've spent struggling and finding God within the struggle. God's going to reciprocate with this ultimate level of love. Is the only way we can get this love now is through challenge? Like we don't have any natural love? So we have natural love, okay. which we can get without challenge, okay. but it's a limited love. Okay. So we can have a relationship with Hashem that is not based on challenge. But usually what that entails is a relationship with Hashem based on our own understanding of Him. Okay. Because how can we relate to Hashem by looking around us, looking at the world and extracting God from the world as we know it and from our understanding and from the way our brain can wrap 
wrap itself around the concept of a God and what it means to have a relationship with him. And we reach a relationship with Hashem from that. It's called avat olam, love that comes from looking around us at the world. But that love, it's, it's very important and it's the first step, but it's limited to what we can understand about God and what we can understand about God from what the world tells us about God. But if we want to get an even deeper relationship with God that's not based on just who we are and what we know, that comes specifically through challenge. Okay. And then, to get the ultimate level of love, which is a true, true ultimate oneness, we, we can't reach that on our own. God gives that to us. And we can only have God give that to us after going through this process of the struggle. Okay, thank you. Okay. So don't think, oh, my life is good right now, right? And so now I can't have a relationship with God. Absolutely not. Um, you know, we, that's the time where you invest in your godly life, where you invest in spirituality, where you learn Torah, where you, where you, you, know, you do it from a place of excitement and, and motivation, and it's amazing. Um, but we're always going to be hit by those bumps, right? And when we're hit by those bumps, we need to realize that this is not a break from our relationship with God. It's actually a catalyst to an even greater relationship. And we see that, I see that with myself. The, the automatic reaction is usually when things are good, I'm consistent with my prayer, I'm consistent with my learning, I'm excited about the relationship, and then chaos hits. You know, okay, forget to pray for like a month or something. Um, until you get back to it, till the waters calm down. And, and the whole point of the mimer is, no, no, no. Those moments are the opportunity for a leap in your relationship with God. Because now it's not on your terms and your understanding. It's something that's beyond you that you don't understand. And from that place of you not understanding what's going on and why God is making your life look like that, you still turn to God. That's the ultimate place of, of reaching God. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're saying that this level of Avaraba, and it's interesting because in the Ashkenazi, I've never seen an explanation for this, but um, there's a prayer, the prayer right before Shema is Ava, well, in the Ashkenazi, it's Avaraba, and in the Nusachari, they changed it to Avat Olam. Um, does anyone know what prayer I'm talking about? Yeah, it's the one, it's a paragraph right before, um, right before Shema. And I was always thinking, because I, I went to a Ashkenazi school, so I always heard Avaraba, and I was like, oh no, Avat Olam. Then you learn that actually these are two different types of love, and so because the Nusachari is based very much on Kabbalah and these Kabbalistic ideas, we don't say that we're, you know, that Avaraba, because Avaraba is like the highest level of love that we can't reach on our own. And we're trying to prepare ourselves for the love of Shema Yisrael that we're saying. So we say Avat Olam. We start off with Avat Olam. That's the love that we can achieve on our, through our own intellect, right? And through looking at the world around us. It's just interesting how like these concepts and ideas actually manifest into what words we use in our davening. Um, I, I always find that interesting. Like we kind of take it for granted. It's okay, this is what the sitter tells me to say. Um, but there's, there's like meaning behind it. What, why we're saying avat olam versus avar abba. So it says here, <coughs> uh, paragraph number three on page 27, we had this quote in the previous mimer of Ani Lododi, this is what is written in Shir Hashirim, and his right hand embraces me. The idea of Hashem reaching out to the Jewish people with this love called Avarabah. So the right hand is a metaphor for kindness and love. And saying that Hashem's right hand embraces me means that Hashem envelops me with a power to love him that is beyond my own limitations and personality. 
It embraces me since it is essentially beyond my own limitations. It is only a gift from Hashem that I am able to experience such a love for Hashem. And this level of love, where God showers love upon us in a way that's way beyond our own capacity to reach, will happen and will be revealed when Mashiach comes, when there's no longer a need for challenge. As it's written, because even if the mountains would move to Mutena and the hills would collapse, would fall in, your kindness, my kindness from you will never go away. And my covenant of peace will never falter. So this verse shows how Hashem will express an unlimited love for us in the future, which will also awaken in us an unlimited love for him. And again, the future is based off of 6,000 years of challenge and of suffering. The future comes only this level of Hashem now giving to us and this ultimate love is based off of the many Mayim Rabbim, right, as well. It's not like Mashiach comes out of the blue. Mashiach comes and is um, on the many, many, many layers of the Mayim Rabbim, right, of all the challenges that we've gone through that we've earned. So shuhu b'chinat chesed elyon. So this level of Hashem's kindness and love that will, will be revealed when Mashiach comes is called Hashem's chesed elyon, his highest levels of chesed. The avarabah, and it's called the great love, habamilamala, which comes from above. The yot v'yaminot chavkeni. So we can be in a state which is called, and his right hand embraces me, where God is showering us with love and with connection. The zeu v'gava ma'od. And this is why it says in reference to Mashiach that he will be very exalted. Ma'od. This is the level of the unlimited, infinite connection. Will be even higher. So the which is the unlimited love of Hashem that we can reach through challenge, there's a level that's even beyond that. And that level that's even beyond that comes from Hashem and comes from Hashem when Mashiach comes. In other words, our capacity to love with all of our might, without any limitations, is still relative to our current situation. But after Mashiach comes, when Hashem reveals His true love for us, we will be able to experience a love for Hashem during prayer on a totally different level. And Mashiach comes speedily, and we should experience this. Amen. So the minor actually doesn't end here. <laughs> There's one last section of the minor that they don't bring here, and, and many people kind of skip over. I think I'm going to bring it for you tomorrow, which discusses the second half of the Pasuk of Mayim Rabbah. If we go all the way back to the beginning, Mayim, the quote from, here, right here, part one, all the way at the beginning, page number four. So we've discussed this, we've discussed the first part of the verse, which explains that the Mayim Rabbah, the many waters, can never extinguish the love. And the whole Mimer is discussing this Pasuk. Now we can see it. We can appreciate it on a much deeper level. What does it mean the many waters cannot extinguish the love? That the challenges of the physical world can never get rid of the natural love we have to God. And on the contrary, the ultimate love we can ever reach comes specifically through confronting challenge. Then there's the second part of the verse, which says, If a person will give up, will exchange, all of the wealth of his home for love, boz, yavozi, law, people would ridicule him. So we're going to discuss the second part of the verse tomorrow. That's what the Alter Rebbe discusses. Um, I don't know if we'll do it inside or outside, but we're going to discuss the idea that 
the, the advantage of the wanting over that of having, right? That no matter how much spiritual wealth somebody has, the ultimate is to come to Hashem from a place of wanting, not from a place of having. And it's the idea we've discussed that even tzaddikim are going to learn how to do teshuvah when Mashiach comes. Because teshuvah is for everybody. Teshuvah is the highest ultimate level that we can reach in attaining a relationship with Hashem. Coming to Hashem from a place of not having, or not being satisfied by our spiritual, by our spiritual state. So we'll continue with that um, tomorrow. And then I guess on Tuesday. Tuesday there is class or there isn't? Because I know it's the elections. There is. Okay. Um... So on Tuesday, I think maybe we'll either look at the summary or we'll go start at the beginning of the next number. We'll see.